It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Good morning, everyone. And actually, it's good, good afternoon, isn't it? It's 12.03. So um, we are lighting the candle, a world that works, where each week we have fun playing verbal volleyball with different concepts, ideas, words, what have you, with the sole intention of bringing empowerment, not only to ourselves, but to our listeners, you folks at home. And it is our commitment that we're just going to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper into whatever experiences that we have to be able to share with you uh, so that you can, you know, at any point during the course of your day, if something's not working for you, you know, instead of going and taking a nap, you might be able to just press a reset button and get back up and get on with your, your day and more powerful and, you know, who knows, even uh, more enjoyment than you had before. So all that said, I'm Bill Carell. Um, what I do for a living uh, is uh, a whole lot of things having to do with the internet and the cloud, uh, all about empowerment for business people and users. And I've got a really dear friend, Ken Caputo, who is a regular. He's in fact, one of the founding members. And I'm gonna turn it over to you for a minute, Ken, uh, to tell people what you do and what you're up to in life. I am the founder of a company called Questers Way that is currently uh, looking for a new home. And um, yeah, and my main thing has always been just, uh, you know, focusing on brick and mortar businesses that, uh, you know, support meaningful human connection between families and people in communities. And we're big on empowered learning. Um, you know, and I don't really like to use the word education. It's more about creating just positive, productive learning environments for everyone, kids and adults, um, and just finding the joy in the moment that's right in front of you. Yeah. I would say uh, we could call it continuous curiosity. Yes, I like that. Yeah, the whole idea is, <laughs> is that you're seeking answers to which the first, second, third, fifth, 25th answers are just more energy and like the, the cookies along the way to keep you going, you know? Yep. And so you know, here's what I'm thinking today. Um, I use this term an awful lot when I'm talking to people and I, I didn't necessarily hear it at Quester's Way first, but I know it was one of the linchpins of everything, you know, that Quester's Way stands for. Best day ever. 
And when I get to use your Questers Way mug that I still have these years later, uh, it, it really just puts a great, big grin on my face, remembering all the people and how everybody felt about everyone. And maybe we could chat just a little bit about, you know, what's the possibility when you're reminded over and over again to be curious about the best day ever. You know, we, we talked about possibility, we talked about ideals, we talked about all these sort of things. And what does it actually mean when you say best day ever, Ken? So that's a, that is a very interesting question because uh, the, the whole process of the, you know, Questor's Way, the name, the logo, even where the apostrophe went, just after the S, all of that was taken into consideration. The Q is a compass and, you know, and it was all about the, the journey we're all on to live our best lives and be our best selves and do our best work. So when we were talking about the tagline, you know, and just what, what was the thing that, what was the statement that we wanted to make? It took a long time. There's a lot of consideration that went into that and, and really best day ever on the surface, outward facing, I think that um, what a lot of people would say to us, they would come in and whatever experience they had in Quester's way, you'd substitute the word day for that experience. So best birthday party ever. I mean, we had literally hundreds of people tell us that after we, we host their birthday party or best class ever, you know, their dance class or best, you know, chicken tenders ever in the cafe or, <laughs> you know, whatever it was. So, so they were coming in and they were having what we would call a present moment experience that really, you know, connected them to a feeling of just really being present and having a good time and enjoying the experience that was right in front of them. So, but the more important part for us was the internal facing part. To us, best day ever was a commitment and a responsibility that whenever someone walked through our door, any guest would come through our door, our responsibility to them was to provide the environment that would allow them to have the best day ever. That, that was our commitment. So, and, and it was very much not about, you know, it's, it's so easy to get distracted and, and get caught up in the past. You know, so you have, we would have some difficult guests that were challenging as far as being very specific about what they wanted or, you know, kids sometimes that had some behavioral stuff going on. We couldn't let that influence our commitment to make this visit their best visit ever, even if the last one was not. You know, so it was very, very present, very in front of us every moment from the moment the center opened to the moment it closed, we would do everything we could to create the environment for that best day ever for everyone that walked through the door. Awesome. And you know what is implicit with a, a possibility of best day ever is if it's not the best day ever now, next moment, it absolutely can be. Mm -hmm. So this, this whole idea of what transformation is, isn't, and you've said this many times, I love it. I, I say it again myself. And, and the, in any moment, there are uh, myriad and you know, absolutely endless possibilities for how we're gonna experience that moment. And the interesting part about you and me, because we actually suck at being human beings, we've discussed that before, <laughs> and we look around to see what's going on for other people. You know, we kind of mm -hmm. check in and they're kind of our additional compass points out there. How are we doing over here? How are we doing over here? And we do all this, you know, many thousands of times in a minute 
uh, and, and more or less just have a feeling about what's going on. And so what makes it very, very interesting is that this possibility of best day ever, it exists in the moment that it's being spoken. It admit, for me, when you are lost in the present, so engaged in having so much fun that you, you know, lose track of time, time and space. You know, you're not aware of what's going on around you because you're so focused on what's right in front of you or the task at hand or just the having fun. And suddenly hours have gone by. It's like, what? How can that be? What just happened here? You know? And so when you consider that you, you get lined up with whatever it is that you're passionate about, and hopefully it's through your own design because you're that kind of a person where, you know, breakthroughs and passion and uh, having an amazing life and yeah, having the best day ever isn't an accident. It's an intention, as you said before, and there's a responsible speaking that creates that and that world gets brought into being by someone who is fully committed to best day ever. You know, and it's, it's interesting as you're, you know, I think the intention was the thing that we, we'd have to hold on to it. And, and like, I can remember there was one time, uh, the power went out on a Sunday yeah. and basically people were there for birthday parties coming in and the entire facility had to be shut down and evacuated. And it was devastating. I mean, this parents have been planning and the kids are there and they're all excited and then everybody's out in the parking lot. And, you know, that was not the best day ever. <laughs> it was not the best party ever. And, you know, and it was always such an interesting thing to hold the fact that we, our purpose, our commitment was to allowing, doing our part to remove the resistance as best we could without being in control of so many variables and circumstances so that the, the potential for that best day would be there. And sometimes it just wasn't. More often than not, honestly, it just wasn't. And, you know, and it, it struck me, I was having a conversation with uh, one of our team members about feeling pressure to, to create that feeling of best day ever for everyone that came in the door. And I said, you know, here's something interesting. I you know, taught martial arts for, for three decades. And in that time, I'd have students that would be with me for, we've had multiple students been with us for 20, 25 years. And if you ask them, they could probably highlight a dozen moments, a dozen experiences in all of that time that really stood out as those, you know, vivid, memorable, best day ever experiences. And that didn't disqualify all the times that just kind of blended into the background. It, the quantity didn't matter. It was the potential. And when it was realized, it was impactful for decades after the fact. You know, so, so that was part of it. So yeah, you know, I mean, when the power goes out suddenly and the facility's getting evacuated, that, that moment may be not one of the better moments, but then there'll be moments coming forwards and we're just always gonna do our part, you know, to, to, to allow for that possibility to occur. And then we'll see what happens. So you're talking about um, people live in a blood and guts physical world. You know, it's not yeah. pretty all the time. And there is a, uh, I'm going to say, a, a base uh, set of criteria that your automatic system can be trained to adopt, which is whatever it is, 
I'm going to be my best in this moment. My commitment will be that if I'm, you know, if, if I'm disempowered, uh, this isn't going to be for a long period of time. We're not taking days and weeks here, folks, to get back on top of the horse and get going again. Mm-hmm. Getting thrown off, unfortunately, is encouragement that you're on the right path. Okay. Yep. And that said, um, you have to go a direction. We talked a little bit about, uh, I don't know how deep we got into it, but we talked a little bit about anything worth doing is worth doing badly. And now that sounds completely contrary. Wouldn't you expect that, you know, a, a successful person is great at everything they try and they always come through with, with you know, flying colors and, you know, with the, the, the white horse and the, all that good stuff? No, they don't. You know, it's, it's I, haven't, I haven't met that person yet. <laughs> have I. You know, what really is cool is to see these people that are overnight successes after killing themselves for 15 years. Yeah. Yep. You know, they get noticed in, in the last 2% of their endeavors. And then all, all of a sudden they get some sort of fame or notoriety. But what people don't see is they did whatever they had to do to stay on the quest, mm-hmm. you know, to stay right in there. And do you think they may have had some experiences of not quite the best day ever along the way? Um, if the ones that I'm thinking of, you know, I know that someone who intends to be the best in the world, for example, let's take a Tiger Woods or a Michael Jordan, you know, or somebody of that nature, uh, Mr. Phelps with all that uh, hardware hanging around his neck. Mm -hmm. These are people that are upset with every single performance that they have in some manner or fashion by nature, because they're never looking for that was the best I could ever do. The next one is going to be the best that I can ever do. And it's going to be the best that I can ever do while I'm doing it. Once it's over with, that's history. What do we learn from it? What did I do correctly? What do I need to make an adjustment or change to? So you can chunk the best day down into the best minutes and seconds because we're watching the Olympics right now. And these folks have worked their entire life uh, to be in a situation where their, their body is either going to get them through it at, at peak performance, or they may have to withdraw from a gold medal round, you know, mm-hmm. and that is completely um, within the whole idea of best day ever, because life is not about how you do when you win. I'm going to say that again. Life has nothing to do with how you behave when you win. It's all about how you behave when you don't win. And playing at that level, the best day ever sometimes is just taking a train wreck and having it not devastate your whole life for the next week or two. So I'm just saying, when you consider the possibilities, and this isn't Pollyanna, uh, you know, I'm a happy-go-lucky person, it's a beautiful day out there, and all that kind of stuff. This is more like, in every single moment, what throws you off your path? What sets you back? What stops you in your tracks? What makes it impossible for that next step forward? And how do you prepare yourself? How do you pack a big enough lunch that you're ready, able, and willing that anything that comes along is not keeping you down for, for very long? You know, and it's funny. I think the word, the word there is prepare, you know, and, um, and, and it's interesting The you know, so, so I've studied martial arts for a little over 30 years now. Um, never had to defend myself in all the time 
you know, that I've, that, that I've trained, the actual self-defense has been unnecessary, you know, some luck there, I'm sure, but a lot of it's just, you know, awareness and choices. Um, but I know that, you know, from a health perspective, <laughs> I'm in a much better place than I would be if I hadn't done it, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all those things, it's been helpful. The reality of it is, it's you go to the dojo for 30 years, just the same reason that the police officer trains with their gun. They requalify and they, they practice being effective with it because you have to prepare in advance for situations that may or may not ever arise, you know? And it's it struck us, you know, one of the things that we did, you know, on the foundations of Quester's Way was thinking in terms of how do you prepare in advance for the weather systems that come and go that you're gonna to have to navigate in your life that you can't predict or even know what they're gonna look like. And that was where the whole move, think, connect, fuel, and power thing came from, where you know, if you move your body every day, you know, you'll be more likely, your immune system be stronger. If you get hurt, you'll heal better, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you stretch your mind in different ways every day, you're gonna have more knowledge and information and clarity that you can apply say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. When an unexpected situation comes up, they have to figure out, you know, so it's, I think the prepare word, and, and honestly, uh, you know, thinking about the Olympics as an athlete, the, I loved the practice, the preparation. <laughs> That's where 99% of your time is, is in, in preparing. And then you know, and then you, you get out and you run the race or, you know, you get in the ring or whatever it is. And that moment is really just partially a reflection, a reflection on the level of preparation you had, a little bit of luck thrown in, some how you are that day. And you're right. I mean, it's the win or lose from that perspective. You can be very competitive and want to win and be upset when you lose. But really all it does is it gives you a focal point for how to better prepare for the next time, you know, which to me was the fun part anyway. So it's. Well, I, I've got different quotes that are all kind of paraphrased, but you know, between, I, I, I mentioned uh, Woods and uh, also uh, uh, Mike, both Mikes. And yep. essentially they never considered themselves being anything other than in competition with themselves. You know, the whole concept of personal best and best day ever for them is something that was completely alive in all of their speaking. And mm -hmm. funny enough, all three of them reported, you know, I love to practice. Tiger Woods says, when I can be out there, you know, at dusk and I can barely see where the hole is and I have to make three 15 put, uh, foot putts in a row before I can go on to the next discipline, you know, or, you know, Michael Jordan, who basically said, look, you know, I've got all these endorsements, you know, and I think at one point he was, he was pulling down like 50 million or a hundred million dollars a year in, in endorsements. Yep. He said, 
I'm going to tell you right now, it's just not a mystery to me why these people are hiring me to sell their stuff. I'm a basketball player. And at the moment, I'm known as the best basketball player in, in the world. And by the way, you and I know that's not the truth, right? <laughs> he said, I am not the best basketball player on, on earth. I am on the winningest team in the history of the sport, you know, for the first time. And I'm getting to play because of my teammates. And I love to practice. I I would have no endorsements if I weren't Michael Jordan, the star of the Chicago Bulls. It just ain't happening, okay? So um, when you stop and think about what motivates people, the goal setting and all the rest of that sort of stuff, what most people don't realize is that the main reason for you know, objectives and goals and timeframes and all that good stuff you know, they, they call it uh, putting your, writing your dreams down uh, and all that good stuff. Mm. And then the affirmations and the huh and the huh and the huh. Well, okay, it's action, guys. It's 100% action. You make goals so that you can chunk that down into your behaviors in a minute and hourly kind of a basis and daily basis and weekly basis. When you're paying attention to what you should be paying attention to, the stuff you want automatically happens when you're paying attention to other stuff it don't happen i don't care how many times you make an affirmation and all the rest of that by um well i'm going to use a technical term by shit luck some things may just happen in your life and you're going to blame those on the law of attraction and i'm going to tell you what they would have happened anyway okay now when you can point and shoot and 80% of the time what you want shows up because of your intentionality and your hard work that's a different kettle of fish all the way around. You're not going to pay attention to um, breakthroughs that don't matter. You know, excellence is about planning your breakthroughs and having them with such a high degree of frequency and being willing to fail the number of times that you have to in order to bring those times, you know, right into succession and boom. So, um, I love the whole notion of some people get out of bed and they hope they have the best day ever. Other people get out of bed and they say, you know, I think this is going to be the best day ever. And then other people get out of bed. This is a minority. It's a very small handful of people who actually have the audacity to say this about their life. I will make this the best day ever and live it and experience it as much as I possibly can, as long as I'm awake or asleep. So the, you know, moving on from, from there, um, you have had the opportunity to light the candle with a bunch of different people as far as martial arts is concerned and with Quester's Way. And what would you say, what would you say is the mechanism by which you create the martial arts leaders because they're all around you? Um, I, I think it's, it's really, it's intentional design, you know, that's, that's without, it's an interesting question because the, you know, there's, there's a risk. I think a lot of people fall into, and it's one we're very vigilant against of, um, uh, of ego creeping in, in a way where you start you know, you're like, you can mentor people. And if you do it right, they evolve into their 
best selves and your place is more like a guide for them. And, uh, but it's very easy to start owning their success and making it about you or to start taking your own view and values and subtly or blatantly imposing that on them. And, you know, so what we would do is in the dojo, the idea was, and, and this was also in Quester's way. And, and now some of the, you know, people that have expanded beyond that, that I'm working with, it's the same things happening. It's just creating a design that lowers resistance so that it, you make it as easy as possible for people to make good choices and, and help them get clear on why those are good choices for them. And if they're not good choices, give them the ability to dig into it without judgment. You know, there's consequences. You know, I mean, I deal with that with teenagers all the time. The parents would come in, teenager did something stupid. There's a consequence. They get grounded, they lose privileges or whatever, you know, whatever, they get fired from a job. It's, those are just consequences. But the, what we would focus on is how do you give them the space for that to be a learning experience that they can leverage into like, you know, being a better version of themselves than they are right now. So, you know, so what happened is we'd have all of these leaders would kind of, you know, they would come into an environment that was consistent, predictable, and safe, where they could explore, they could do things right, do things wrong. It was all nothing special. It was just part of the process of their own personal evolution. And they're in an environment where, you know, we had very clear boundaries on how you respected each other and how you respected yourself. And then just things would happen. You know, I mean, and, you know, Questor's Way is a good example. We didn't have any idea what things would be taught. We knew there would be movement-based things, there'd be project-based things to the brain, and there'd be social things. We didn't know what they were. And before you know it, we've got chess and painting and Dungeons and Dragons and breakdancing. Could have been something totally different. We created a design to make sure that whatever was interesting for teachers and students, they could come together, but we didn't try to force that in a direction we just allowed it to unfold i don't know how good an answer that is but that's the best i've got it's very engaging <laughs> you have to from hello okay uh, so you know what i pull out of all of that is uh, you know to distill it down uh you have the same thing with 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 a plant you know you get a a spider plant and it might come in a four inch pot you know and mm -hmm. So you do what you can with miracle Grow and the right kind of, uh, you know, soils and all the rest of that sort of thing. It can get so big. I mean, it, it's going to be what we call pot bound. Human beings uh, experience that same phenomenon where what happens is the size of the culture impedes their ability to grow beyond it. And what I mean by the size is what, what is the space that's available for people to do well and for, to, to do poor, poorly and take the lesson. Right. First of all, you get uh, you know, this criteria of people that are in the, the culture that are only committed to doing better. You know, like you said, to get to learn how to be their best self. And when that happens um, and everyone is supportive of each other, there's an analysis that can take place, uh, which is about, about what was missing. And in many cases, the only thing that's missing is that the conversations become too small. They're no place yeah. to go. So 
you put a, a spider plant into a, an eight inch pot or a 14 inch pot, but you do this like a little bit at a time as opposed to going from a four inch pot to a 20 inch pot. Mm. You, you risk mm -hmm. having it die by having either too much water, not enough water. There's you know too much nutrition, whatever it is. So uh, stick with me on this uh, analogy because uh, I may or may not be totally accurate, but my point is this. Human beings operate in much the same way. They need to expand, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and I, you know, I've got a lot of years of coaching people, uh, you know, creating leaders in uh, manufacturing facilities, my business, coaching situations with other business owners and that sort of thing. And they, they grow best when, when the space to fill is actually just a little bit beyond, you know, their, where their reach can exceed their grasp, but not too much more than that. They need to develop the muscle to where that now becomes usual and ordinary and part of their, their you know, their, their core competencies. That's something they're unconsciously competent with. Then you can move on to them discovering some area where they have been unconsciously uh, incompetent. And now it's, it's kind of a thorn in their side. This is that thing that they've been avoiding that all of a sudden they really realize this is what I got to do next. And this ain't going to be easy. This is going to be bad news for a little while, but let's go give it a shot. And then when you've got this environment of people around it and everybody's cheering for each other, not you know, like crazy cheering all the time, but little comments like, how you doing today? You know, what's the next thing for you? What are you working on? You know, where are you going with this? You know, so uh, all of that is just an amazing way that we as human beings, we can take this to our communities, to our schools, yep. to businesses, you know, churches, uh, civic organizations, Facebook, Twitter, it can be out there everywhere. There's no reason why we can't stand for each other. Yeah, you know, the other thing that's interesting is the the per, the importance of personal responsibility with how you approach, especially if you're in a, a leadership position, a teaching position. In my opinion, we're all teachers all the time. Yes. You know, we, we may not know it, but but everything you do is setting some kind of an example or relaying information that someone else is processing, maybe not even on a conscious level. And it's influencing how they now move through the world. So, you know, if you were to talk to um, any of the, especially the first decade of when it was really just me doing a lot of the teaching, if you asked any of those kids that have been with us for any length of time, you know, what my personal goal was for, as a teacher, they all would have said the same thing. My goal was to help them be better martial artists than I would ever be in my lifetime. Like, you know, from the beginning, not to get them almost as good as me, but hold some kind of position of power over them or not be threatened by them outgrowing me. And we had several, like we had one girl who got so good in competition that she had to go to other schools. We couldn't, we, we couldn't effectively train her because she had just, you know, and she ended up being a world champion, you know, and that was not gonna happen if we had somehow tried to contain her or hold her back or influence her parents, you know, in some way where, well, you don't need them or, oh, that's a wrong direction for you. It, it was a very interesting and conscious choice to constantly choose to get out of the way, you know, to be in support. And in our leadership program, that was actually what we spent a lot of our time doing, not training people to lead, training them to support, you know, training them 
how when someone else was running a class to be the one that made them look amazing to you know zen the zen practice of leave no trace you know to make all of that difference and be invisible at the same time so you know so it's just kind of interesting how each of us has to kind of look at ourselves and constantly ask that question you know how much of our own personal identity is either you know could potentially be limiting the growth of you know a person a project or an organization you know so and i think if you look at a lot of organizations right now you can see where that happens you know where where someone's personal needs or agenda or belief systems actually become limiting factors on that system realizing its potential so that was a big part of it for us not letting that happen i think that is a, <laughs> a wonderful point for us to segue take a break and start up on the other side because sure. when we start talking about um, best day ever with regard to us personally and the things that we think we have control over or not have control over and then how does that become a cultural uh, phenomenon and then as you said before what are the things that you do uh, to be kind of self-regulating. Uh, uh, you know, you have you have governors that are on, on certain type, kind of like go karts, so that they can't do 70 miles an hour around a, a you know a quarter of a mile track. So let's pick it up on the other side, and I'm really having a ball exploring this concept of best day ever with you, Ken Caputo. Yeah, it's fun as always. All right, y'all come back now, people at home. We're looking forward to having more conversation on the other side. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Lighting the Candle, a world that works, part of the Exvadio Podcast Network. You can hear us at exvadio.com slash podcasts, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.